0: listening to Sci-Fi TV Rewatch episode 370. My name's Dave and I'm joined as always by my co-host Wayne to discuss the third episode of NBC Peacock's adaptation of the classic Aldous Huxley novel Brave New World. And it's uh kind of an appropriate title, Everybody Happy Now exclamation point and it's kind of ironic. I don't think everybody's happy now, but uh, no. as a as a viewer it's really getting good.
1: Oh yeah, yeah. Yeah, as a viewer, I'm super happy. But, you know, pretty much everything else that's uh, going on, uh, I along with everyone else, I think, is very unhappy.
0: Yeah, and it's interesting because, you know, I'd mentioned that I had just reread the novel maybe four months ago, uh, not realizing we were going to end up doing this on the podcast. And, you know, anytime you adapt a novel to TV or to a movie – You know, you have to make certain allowances, and and, you know, I went back and was just kind of paging through the novel yesterday, and and I'd forgotten that really the first three chapters are all about the process of Mm -hmm. New London, and you wonder how much of that detail is going to end up in the series, and you know, like we said last time, we're going to stop talking about the novel to a certain extent i mean if it's appropriate it's appropriate and and i think we can honestly say that neither of us is going ahead so when we say we don't know whether they're going to address it later we don't know because sometimes we might fib you guys and that we <laughs> pretend we haven't seen <laughs> future no, episodes we
1: don't ever do that dave come on
0: oh, oh sorry right you're right we <laughs> never do that but uh, that being
1: said i, I might watch the retinas. <laughs> yeah so so far we we uh, straight up have have just been going one at a time here um and obviously there's as you said there's things that we know about because we've read the novel but you know obviously there are some you know the the the, the show is going i guess in its own direction they they follow a lot of the the broad plot points of the novel but uh it's really kind of its own thing right and, and i mean certainly we Knew that Linda
0: had been a resident of New London who had been abandoned in right. the
1: savage lands, but and, and therein uh, ends any comparison between Demi Moore's character and the and the character from the book because the, that Linda ain't this Linda for sure.
0: Yeah, that, that's absolutely true um yeah okay so before we go too far uh, if you guys want to send us some feedback questions whatever the email address is scifi tv rewatch at gmail.com record your own audio clip for a feedback the way fred does each week and send it as an attachment if you'd like consider joining the facebook group if you haven't already and get into the discussions there So my tip of the week, what I'm watching, I had planned to talk about the return for season five of the Danish comedy drama Rita, which I know I've mentioned in the past on the podcast, and it's uh, about the exploits of this unconventional English teacher. Uh, But my wife and I didn't get to it, even though it dropped on Saturday, because we wanted to finish up this Belgian show called Unit 42 on Netflix. And it follows a cybercrime unit, which is pretty cool. And it's different from so many new and recent Netflix series in that it is a series of self-contained crimes rather than we introduce a crime in episode one and it's not solved until episode 10 or whatever. So it's pretty cool the way they are doing that. And it follows the head of the team, who is a recent widower, who's got three kids, one of whom is a is a baby and a female hacker turned white hat. So it, it, it's pretty cool the way they circumvent the rules and the law sometimes, depending on the case they're working on. But uh, season one had 10 episodes and there is a season two that aired in Belgium in 2019 I can't find it anywhere. What I did mm-hmm. learn is that it took two years before it made it to Netflix. So wow. I don't know. I'm I'm really bummed. But anyway, <laughs> Unit Forty Two, check it out. Cool. What do you got?
1: Well, so yesterday you might find this hard to believe, Dave, but last night for the very first time ever, I watched Starship Troopers. Really? Yeah. Oh, you're kidding me. I'm not kidding you, man. Oh.
0: See, that's one of those movies that it's classic for so many reasons. Does it follow the book? Yeah, (laughs) kind of, not really. But I love that movie.
1: Yeah, I know. And, um, you know, you've referenced it a bunch of times, and I always just kind of played along and nodded my head like, you know, I knew you were talking about. But, uh, yeah, I'd never seen it. Yeah, I, I was trying to wonder why, because, I mean, obviously I remember when it came out, came out in 1997 uh, it looks great actually for a movie that is you know 23 years old you could probably drop that movie nowadays and it would be fine you know like so it, it was it looked awesome um, obviously you know you got like Dina Meyer there it's great to see her um, Michael Ironside always is a you know awesome addition to an action movie um, but anyway so I think the reason I I didn't Ever go see it is because I remember when it came out my dad said the movie sucked and my dad is a hardcore reader of science fiction like he, he our, we have a, a our library in our the house I grew up in just full of science fiction novels uh so I think he is a big fan of the novel and he saw the movie and apparently I mean I've never read it but apparently, the movie, as you said, is way different than the novel, and he just didn't like it. So I guess I just kind of took in his bad attitude about it and never saw it. And then finally, I, you know, I saw it on Netflix. I'm like, you know, Dave mentions this a lot. I think I'm going to go ahead and watch it, and it was it was pretty good. I liked it.
0: Yeah, and uh, you know, you you mentioned Dina Meyer, who of course we we talked about in Birds of Prey way back in the day, and, and she's. Certainly shown up in a lot of other shows as well. Gary Busey's son, I can never remember his. Oh, right. Jake. Jake, right. Uh and, and then uh gosh, I forget the guy who played uh you know the main male character.
1: Yeah. Um not so but, I've seen a lot of stuff since. Right. But you Me know Denise uh, Richards, man, what happened to her?
0: Yeah, she fell off. The, she was like man, the map. in the late
1: nineties. She was she was everything. She probably right there's loads of people who probably went to see that movie just because she was in it.
0: You know, it's definitely a film that's worth checking out whether you've read the novel or not. It's got certainly a, a different feel to it and, and whether, you know, we owe that all to director Paul Verhoeven, um, uh, probably, but it's certainly an interesting movie. And if you'd like to know more, but <laughs> if you, if you've seen the movie, you get that reference, yeah, but yeah. anyway, Cool. All right. Anything else?
1: No. Okay. That's it. it. I just, one thing I wanted to say, and I don't want to give any plot points because there might be some, you know, hermit somewhere like me who hasn't seen it, But just, I I found it like it's, you know, in the end, like the good guys, quote unquote, win, but you don't, like, you you don't really ever feel 100% like the good guys, the humans in this case, are 100% the good guys, especially with, uh, Neil Patrick Harris, right, and you know his character and all the the Nazi like imagery of the the officers in in this military thing makes it tough to one hundred percent root for the humans in this. Yeah,
0: although the alternative so, is rooting for the bugs. So
1: yeah, but you know, like the bugs might not be so bad if we stop shooting yeah, them it, and everything. So yeah, I yeah. don't know. But uh, but yeah, it was a. Uh, Really, really good movie. Uh, I can't believe I've waited this long, but uh, I'm glad I finally watched it.
0: All right. Well, let's talk some Brave New World, Episode 3 of Season 1, Everybody Happy Now, written by Molly Nussbaum, who wrote for Dirk Gently. Uh, she was also the script coordinator for The Americans, which is a show that you've talked about on the podcast nice. before. Yes. Directed by Craig Zisk, who will be directing 104 as well, and he's directed Parks and Rec, agent carter timeless manifest uh, just a ton of stuff but this is an interesting episode in that it is totally linear we don't often see that in contemporary television right. and you know we even get that 21 minute opening scene which you know, there's not much room for a commercial break if they wanted to uh, put this on regular TV, which of course they never will. Now with the streaming services in play, uh, if
1: you get like Peacock has the one version, is a commercial version, so, so oh, they it's do possible, yeah,
0: okay, okay. Well, the A story, and simply because it appears first, is of course the the escape from the Savage Lands, and. You know, we get that cold open where Bernard is lying, bleeding on the table in John's house and John is freaking out. And I I guess there's so much to take away from this, not the least of which is Linda's reawakening. And, you know, once we know her story and obviously having read the novel, we have even a deeper feel for her story. But I think you certainly get enough in this episode that you can understand why she ended up becoming an alcoholic. But as she says, I'm making some changes. And the next thing we know, she's got Bernard on the table and she's extracting the bullet. She's calm, collected, seems to know what she's doing. Unlike John. Unlike it's John. Just- and, you know, ironically, he's ready to abandon Lenina and Bernard. And on the one level, I guess you can understand why. You've got this hit squad that's roaming around, killing everybody in sight. You know, you're potentially a target. So you get that. But then, of course, that whole idea of abandonment hangs over everything because that's why Linda has been in the Savage Lands for, I don't remember if we know in the book how long. I mean, John, I mean, the actor's got to be at least 25, probably 30. Right, so, but I don't
1: think he's supposed to be that. You know, it seems like he's supposed to be a fairly young adult, like maybe late teens, early 20s would be my guess, but I don't think we got, and I, and I, can't, I can't at all remember, but again, he was fairly young in, in the, uh, the novel as well. Um, I just like how, you know, we have, you you talk about, you know, like Hemingway's, you know, had this idea that the hero of of exhibiting grace under pressure, right? And so far, we've seen that from the females, right? Yes. From Lenina and Linda, while the guys, uh, Bernard, who, granted, he's been shot, but he's not really dealing with it with a significant level of toughness at all. And John, who's just flipping out and totally losing his composure, and it's Linda who's like, you're in my light, you know, as she extracts a bullet with a pair of needle-nosed pliers.
0: Yeah, and we get the great initial scene when she finally enters the room after John has called her about 10 times, and she's, of course, still in her nightgown holding a drink, but the transformation begins right at this point, and... And, you know, as you said, Bernard's in pretty bad shape. And yes, you mentioned the the females really taking charge in in this situation. And that's true. But the other interesting thing about Lenina is she's got so much more to cope with than Linda because Linda is that unique character who has actually lived in both places. And Lenina i think you have to give her a lot of credit for adapting as much as she has and we certainly overlook these these momentary lapses where she seems to just withdraw and again we get the image where she's got blood spattered on her face on her clothing so you don't really know what's going on in her head but
1: all right well especially since this is something that is that's why I try not to be too hard on Bernard because he is, you know, like this is something they, the obviously not most people don't get shot, but they don't even have like the concept really of, of this. And for Lenina and Bernard, it's, this is just so they have no absolutely zero. Like, like you had said uh, at a previous week, you know, um, you know, if if we some see something like this or had something like this happen to us, at least we would have, like, seen it on television or something like that where, you know, we would have some understanding of what was actually happening. But for Lenina and Bernard, they, they don't have any really concept because this is so beyond, beyond their world. Right. And
0: sort of a certainly a bit of foreshadowing that once Linda takes in what's actually transpiring in her kitchen, she gets the bullet out and she tells Lenina, we're going to be friends. And again, we, having read the novel, know the impact of that. But if you haven't read the novel, you're not really sure yet what Linda's Planning to do here which is of course take her chance to escape and you know one of the things my wife mentioned to me as we were watching it and i can't remember exactly the detail in the novel but my wife asked me well why has she never tried to go back to new london before now if she knows where the barrier is right now now is it just simply that bernard could get her through because it looked like you know bernard and and lenina just kind of walked through the barrier they didn't punch in any kind of a code or anything
1: right right she does say something about his being an alpha and but i don't know if yeah they they don't really explain that very well because that's a good point um there is no barrier in the novel right Right. So, the reason she doesn't go back is she just was never able to go back. Well, no, actually, she doesn't go back because she got pregnant, and she was embarrassed, and she couldn't go back. Uh, because, as they suggest, it, well, not suggest, say, you know, giving birth uh, vivaporously, as they say, I never knew what that word meant until I read Brave New World, means, uh, uh, is is an abomination in this world. So, when she got pregnant. She, she couldn't go back. Um, it, we, we don't know why the Linda here didn't go back. Uh, we don't know why she doesn't just walk through the barrier. Um, I guess we could probably assume maybe for this, the same, she had the same reason, but now you know why, why now though? Right. If, if she chose before not to go back now, why all of a sudden does she want to go back? Um, right. Right, and maybe she
0: feels like Bernard owes her his life and will be more inclined to get her and John back. And look, maybe we'll find out more in the final episodes of the series. So, you know, it's just something that, that struck her, and I didn't really have a good answer for it. But the no, other yeah, interesting thing, you know, as you said, we get that one point where she tells him to stop calling her mom. Yeah and on the one hand i don't think he really understands how important that is and is she reverting to her conditioning or is she just trying to set him up for having an easier time once they get back to new london and you know in turn you know making it easier for herself as well
1: Um, this is some pretty harsh last words though you know well like, there
0: are and and you know madison shows up at the house still wearing her wedding dress and yeah uh, i guess the alternative would be the bikini underneath which okay yeah, well we've seen that before um <laughs> she doesn't believe a word of what he's telling her as lenina and bernard are hiding up in the attic it looks like blood is dripping down but i guess it's dripping behind her so right. she must not notice it and
1: but of it's also because there's that, that, you know, trope where the bad guy's like, where are they? You know, and they're in the attic and then a the woman's bleeding and the drop of blood, like, hits the bad guy. They look up at the ceiling and then they look at the person like, ah, oh, that's where they got him. You know, but they, so they kind of set us up for that, but then, you know, undermine it by having the blood dripping behind her. And she never notices it.
0: Right. And it does seem a little bit unbelievable that she wouldn't check
1: the attic. Right. The like she's space. checking under the bed but she doesn't check the attic you <laughs> know like uh which is a more likely place that people will be hiding their medicine
0: well right and i was also a little surprised she didn't go in the bathroom and look in the shower yeah i mean you're executing people for crying out loud you you suddenly have moral compass when it comes to uh watching another woman take a shower if in fact she believed that that's what was really happening but you know she's ready to kill them, and all of a sudden we see this butcher knife yeah. protruding out her front, and, and of yeah. course, mom has done it. And and I, again, I love it. She just turns to John. I don't want to
1: hear it. <laughs> and yeah. you that's know, what you know. Linda goes from like this, you know, in this alcoholic haze to being like freaking a Bruce Willis action hero now, you know, like taking charge, killing baddies, all this stuff. Taking the bullet. You know? Yeah. Yeah,
0: and, and you know, John tells Madison that he loves her and of course we know he has a crush on her and of course who wouldn't? Does he tell her he loves her simply to buy time? Probably.
1: I, I'm guessing yeah. that's, that's that the case. But that is point. great because he's like, I love you. She goes, What? He goes, What? <laughs> you know, <it's> like, <laughs> right. Like, like he just, he's clearly just saying shit just to try to, you know, desperately trying to figure out some way to get out of this and not doing a very good job of it.
0: Right. And suddenly, as you said, the drunken lush no longer exists. And she tells John, we're not leaving without them. And in, in her thought process, she's not going to do to them what was done to her. And there's some great scenes between her and Lenina where she tries to get that idea across to Lenina that, you know, Bernard would leave you here in a heartbeat.
2: Yeah.
0: Now, whether that's true, again, he's pumped up on Soma moonshine he's got a bullet that's just been removed from him he tells her he'll stay and be monogamous with her and the look on her face is sort of like huh what
1: yeah right (laughs) yeah it, it was okay when that was just dirty talk but now like you know you really want like no right and you know there are some clues that are dropped
0: for the uninitiated For instance, how does she know about Soma? And you might argue, well, you know, they've had people from New London coming for years and years and years, so perhaps she, you know, knows it through that. But there just seems to be a little bit more that she knows that maybe she shouldn't know. John and Lenina have this brief exchange about his conditioning. Again, interesting because she just assumes everybody has been conditioned and truth of the matter
1: is john has been conditioned sure just just not in the same way just right not as formally state sponsored that that lenina has but yeah absolutely everyone is a product of of some kind of conditioning or another right and
0: you know after she tells the guy who we met earlier in the bus who was selling music to john and and apparently turns out to be their next door neighbor I need him, meaning Bernard, and and of course, then the big reveal comes next when she tells him, uh, or she tells Lenina, I know you think you need that Soma and that you'll die without it, but you won't. And at the time, we see the reflections in a mirror, that's the worst part, to be forced to cope. And lenina immediately recognizes her as a beta and i guess it's the description of the crematoriums and and we'd heard lenina describing you know similar images earlier and mom says beta plus thank you yeah (laughs) and then and then the 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 fundamental question well how are you a mother and then you know we get into the the story of abandonment how she implies, you know, Bernard would leave you here in a heartbeat if, you know, that was going to help him. And then you got to love Bernard. I'm going to report you to the bureau. <laughs> yeah, John and Linda look worried about
1: that one, Bernard. Yeah, yeah right. Um, yeah, definitely the least of their worries at, at, at this moment here. Yeah, yeah. Um, for for sure. Like they they draw the strong parallels between Linda and. Lenina here, um, you know, is not just both beta pluses, but also this her, you know, obviously Linda abandonment uh, clearly a major issue in in her life and her personality. You know, it, it, by the end of the, the the episode, I I think Linda's words along with obviously the experiences have clearly had an impact on Lenina because. At the end of this episode, she's not the same person who left New London.
0: No, and, and Bernard is exactly the same person yeah, who absolutely. left New London, which is just fascinating. Yeah, um, you know, we talked a little bit about the implication that Bernard has been sent there to take over as, uh, I forget, the uh, warden of the savage lands even though he he doesn't know it and we talked a little bit about why the director would want him banished and you know i think in part and i forget who posted it in the facebook group i apologize but i guess it's a combination of his increasing solitary behavior and the fact that they saw him touch the head of the epsilon and get some sort of a sensation that he probably shouldn't have gotten.
1: I, I don't know. Yeah, that I I saw that conversation on Facebook. It's very interesting. I didn't want to chime in on it because it would have involved spoilers for, for this episode because I think even at this point, we're still not even 100% sure that he, he was being banished. I mean, he thinks he is. Uh, the implication from the previous guy certainly uh, seems like it. But um, it, was, it was David Haworth uh, that had brought the, the point up. Um, and David raised a good issue that, um, you know, again, that, that maybe, it, and I didn't even think about that, that maybe it touching the, the Epsilon, which when it first happened, I thought was like his job, right? I, I thought that maybe as a counselor, he had some kind of psychic ability that he could, You know, see how people died or something like that. I don't know, Uh, but then we saw from uh, C Jack sixty that by you know there's something with the epsilon C Jack fifty seven. There's something special about him that when you touch him, it changes you because that's what we see with C Jack sixty. So all things considered, yes, that could be. But but I think as David also mentioned, the timing is a little off. Like. It's really Mond who notices that he touched the guy. And, well, I don't know. There, there's a, a bunch of reasons, but but ultimately, it doesn't seem to matter too much, right? Because he doesn't end up getting uh, displaced. He he ends up back in New London. He's just the same as he was before. But but who knows if that will then you know impact his character later,
0: right? And you, we get then the great scene when they actually do escape. And, and that guy whose trailer they went to, uh, the, the first thing Linda asks him, is she here? So we don't know whether she means this guy's wife, his daughter, girlfriend, whatever. Uh, I guess it's his wife. I think he might say that. But yeah. clearly, everybody's afraid of her. <laughs> she drives <laughs> up and she's dressed like some kind of 1980s Texas cowgirl. Uh, and she's pissed when she hears that Linda's involved. And regardless, he holds them off uh Sheila's group. That is long enough for John and everybody else to get away. And of course we hear the gunshots. We don't see the execution, but we're pretty certain that she executes both of them. And then dude, I am the farthest thing from a Stevie Nicks fan. And <laughs> I never really cared for Fleetwood Mac at all, but that song edge of 17 just worked. Yeah. As they're driving away in the night, you see the burning adventure park in the distance and and we know it is going to be a brave new world for Lenina and Bernard and how they're going to cope with it. You know, we get an inkling he's back to sure. uh where he was and for her as you said it's going to okay. be a different world and and yeah. you know hopefully that's what we'll see in episode 4 but
1: uh yeah, I just found it really funny that this uh, this kind of hard Scrabble guy, you know, um, has Stevie Nicks queued up in his in his truck. So.
0: Yeah, although I guess we would argue that music does seem to be at a premium, right? So, you know, you never know what's actually available.
1: Cool. Yeah, it's a good song, so you know. Not yeah, it idea. is a good song. Um,
0: yeah, and then you know, during the course of this escape, which you know ends up being on foot through the woods. Linda tells him his father was an alpha plus. And clearly this is a story that she has told him many times before. And it's also just as clear that he's never believed her, that he just thinks it's, they're the ravings of a drunken lunatic to a certain extent, because what she's telling him seems so fantastic. And it's not like they don't have some sense of what goes on in new London. But you wonder to what extent they understand what goes on. Right. And and then she says, don't make me choose. In other words, if you're not going to help me, I'm leaving you because I'm going back to New London. And you know, she has that little conversation with Lenina about she thought being a mother would be the worst thing sort of implying that she changed her mind that while maybe not the best thing, it was a good thing, but here she's ready to abandon her son. Mm-hmm. So uh, maybe she knows him well enough that he'll follow if I put it in those terms.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And she of also course knows that, Right, right. That they can't stay. Like, you know, it's, I, I don't know why he doesn't see it that he has really no option here. He, he he can't stay. He'll be killed for sure if he stays in the Savage Land. But but yeah, I agree with you 100% there that I think she just knows like if she puts it that way, then he'll go. If she gives him any kind of other option, then he won't. So she you know, basically says, with or without you, I'm going, mm-hmm. so that he definitely goes. Because it's really the only thing he can do because he's dead if he stays.
0: Right. And, you know, we get the funny scene and there really aren't very many funny scenes when Bernard tries to drive the car. And I guess it's basically he just managed to get it in neutral and it drifts a little bit. Right. (laughs) Look, I'm driving the auto car. Uh, And the, the whole idea of her now having to cope with this flood of emotions, not the least of which is fear. She starts crying, and, and John, and of course, I think most of us that have seen A League of, a league their, of own. their Own, yeah. crying? There's no crying in Brave New World. <laughs> and she explains to him, to the best of her ability, why she's crying, and she doesn't even understand the emotion. And he's like, well, just stop. And she's like, well, how? How? welcome to the real world and i guess the irony is that once she gets back to new london well that's the real world for her and i was a little surprised i don't know about you when she's back in new london and she takes the soma that bernard gives her but I don't think we can conclude that that means she's back to the way she was because i I just can't see that happening
1: well no and, and we can just see how she you know it's very admirably done how and I love i mean I've said it before, I love it when you know things are communicated visually rather than through dialogue, and you just see her looking at New London and you just. You know, Just the way she's looking out there, you can just tell that she's looking at New London as in a completely different manner, that she has been irreversibly changed. And she was different before, right? Because this, all, all this start her association with Bernard started because she was being too monogamous, right? She already is, you know, um, unconventional in her society. Um, and 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 this whole experience has has really changed that. Um, one other thing I wanted to say about the you know John wanting her to just stop crying. Lenina is from the society that is has tries to you know quash emotions and actually I should say suppress emotions and you know make them unable to deal with emotions. It's really John in this scene who is unable to deal with emotions. Like, he he, he can't, while she is kind of trying to, to figure out what's going on, that why she's crying, all he can think is, just stop it. Just stop, you know? So he's running away from the emotion, and Lenina is the one that's actually trying to confront it.
0: Right, and I guess on the one hand, we should expect more out of him because he's not been dosed with Soma his entire life but he's had a lot thrown at him in a hurry he suddenly finds himself in the middle of a revolution and we can say as you implied a, f- a few minutes ago well, he he doesn't really respond very well to the challenge but I, I guess we have to accept that well he's human and I think it might even be fair to say he's more human than Lenina and Bernard are although without their soma maybe that's not true either and you know we get several scenes where Bernard is you know hitting his little soma dispenser and and nothing pops out because it's been empty for yeah. you know qu- quite a long mm-hmm. time but we used to do a nitpick right way back when
1: Yep, we would we would do that every once in a while.
0: And the one, and I don't want to say it's a nitpick, I don't think we're probably going to ever find out, and, and we kind of talked around this idea a few minutes ago, but when they get to the barrier, and Lenina and Bernard have already gone through, and one of Sheila's crew gets dusted when he hits the barrier. Right. Why don't John... And his mom, Linda, get dusted when they hit the barrier.
1: So that's that's the question:
0: Is there there something genetic that the barrier can read? And because he's the product of parents, of course, nobody knows what that word means in in New London. Well, I guess they do. It's funny because in the novel, you know, you know, where where children are being taken on a tour of the decanting process and the conditioning process and that's explained to them and you know one look is hey i know what parents are or were or whatever but you know i guess i don't need that explained how they get through the barrier and and sheila's guy didn't but i don't know bothers me a, a little bit
1: well, well right and i think it's significant only in that you know bernard says i don't control the barrier indra does right? Right. Oh,
0: good point.
1: Yeah. You know, so it, you know, it it seems like to me, I think that they were let through That Indra determined that they can come through the barrier. And so they were allowed to go through, or it could be, like you said, genetic where John genetically is a member of the brave new world. I guess both his parents were from new London. So, you know, one of those two, I think. Right. I imagine and, and, we'll, we'll, that'll be explained to us at some okay. point.
0: And, and Sheila leaves Bernard with that message that beyond this barrier, you'll find only death. We are free people. In other words, stay the hell on your side
1: of the wall. And, yeah, okay. at which point I'm like, okay, you know, like, done. Like, what, what is there in the Savage Land that is, why would the people of 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 New London want any bit of the savage land it was just a tourist attraction
0: right yeah. exactly yep so you know, before i go too far i i had to uh instruct my wife in a saying that you know sort of relates to what we're talking about and that is the phrase skynet just saying yeah I made her repeat it a few times until she she got the inflections down. So I I think (laughs) she understands now. But, uh, you know, so the final part of the story, you know, we could call it welcome to the brave new world. We see them on the rocket and they are the only four occupants. So we don't know how long the group was supposed to stay in the Savage Lands. But obviously the rocket has been waiting for the return trip. It's just that they're the only four that are alive at this point just such a a powerful image as lenina sits alone again blood on her green uh, jumpsuit john and linda are sitting together and then she sees new london in the distance i knew i'd see it again and of course he's afraid of what they'll do to them and, and rightly so whether it's from you know an experimentation standpoint or something else but we thought she dodged that bullet at the gate and, and clearly she doesn't. And we get that great, terrible scene of the blood droplets Mm -hmm. rising up in the weightless atmosphere of the cabin. And then we realize, and she dies, he cries mom. And, you know, thinking back, it does seem as if she pushes John out of the way I don't think she could see the laser from the uh, rifle making the red dot on John. but I think she did. Oh, she did? Okay. I think she did, and and... and
1: that's why she, like, pushed him through and and kind of got behind him. And she, you know, took the bullet for John purposefully, I think. And, you know, back in New London,
0: again, that first image we see of Lenina, she's cleaned up and wearing pristine white clothing— staring out the window bernard's obviously back to his old ways it's it's as if this whole experience has has been erased from his memory but she's like what do we do now telling him how can we move forward to our old ways having experienced what we just experienced and he's almost like "Uh oh same thing we did before right and when she says, what did Sheila tell you? At first, I thought he was deliberately lying. But then as he tries to remember and he basically tells her the truth, I guess he just doesn't remember. And okay, he was shot. He's on the run. And okay, so yeah. I, I got that. You know, so but, you know I mean,
1: Sheila gave him a very specific message to deliver. It seemed like, you know, all that. Dark, it's like the telephone game, you know, it just didn't work out
0: right so what do you make of mond and you know she's in the observation deck looking down on john who's now dressed in white and and clearly being held in this room screaming where is she to no answer and i guess it takes him throwing that table that cracks the glass I, i don't understand you know she touches the crack cuts her finger and it's as if the blood prompts this realization in her, which doesn't make any sense to me. I don't know about you.
1: Yeah, that, that's, that, that's a, a scene that it's, it's hard to unpack and to figure out exactly what's going on. And that's what actually I like about it is that, again, things are done visually. And it's very much up to interpretation what Mond is thinking you know, probably she's never seen shattered glass before. So when she doesn't realize she gets, she can get cut when she touches it, but also clearly a symbol of how one little crack can then with the slightest of pressure can create a a larger fissure, right? That, and socially speaking is like John, that little crack in the window, that when you know you touch just a little bit will then lead to make the crack bigger and bigger ultimately breaking society up or is la like that crack so that's kind of like symbolically what i thought was was going on there um but but then to you know to be confronted with that symbol and then to let him out of his room why is that happening right well, well, right,
0: and she clearly knows more about John and Linda than she lets the audience know at this point. And, and of course, one of the things that we're wondering about is whether or not the director is John's father. And, and at this point, you know, we don't know. I mean, he's obviously an alpha plus. He does seem to be somewhat connected to linda's dead body though it's not as if he's showing any emotion but you some of those comments he makes these people don't cope with death well of course they do they just cope with it in a different way and and you know that's kind of obvious you know on the one mon just doesn't buy it and and again you know at her level she Probably has a pretty good idea of what life is like out in the savage lands and why does she open the door tell john you're home well she's got plans for him we don't know what they are at this point but he walks out and he doesn't see his mother so we don't know if they're going to allow him to see his mother's dead body or not but what he does see is this marvelous city for the first time and whether he's thinking, "Damn, Mom was telling the truth all along."
1: We don't know. Yeah. Well, yeah, and this is where I'm going to drop the. I'm not going to give any spoilers from the book, but just as comparison of John's reaction to um, to the Brave New World, because the the title of the the novel comes from a, a quote from the Tempest that um, that John. Quotes when he first arrives in New London, you know he says, How beauteous mankind is oh, brave new world that has such people in it. so you know in the book, John comes into this world wide eyed, romantic, head full of notions of of this being some kind of utopia it later then becomes you know uh, disillusioned with it, but in here John enters. Disillusioned and angry and rebellious, there there is no this you know wide eyed romanticism that this is this special perfect place. You know that that's going to obviously create some tension and you know it's going to be interesting to see um, where they where they go with that because John's starting from a completely different place in the series, which I which I like you know I like how they're doing that.
0: Yeah, because it doesn't fundamentally change the novel i mean it does it's just john from a different respect so yeah i like it i I didn't catch that that that's why you got two of them that one in the glass. that's good stuff
1: (laughs) um all right got anything else um so one thing i just noticed that when they are on the rocket coming back i don't know why i noticed it before just because I, i have a dirty mind or something but when they flew to the Brave New World, Um actually, when they're flying back, I'm sorry, Lenina has her belt buckle, like, right over her genital region. And then she puts her hands over that as well. It's almost like this, like a kind of, like, keep out kind of motion. Uh John has his buckle up around his stomach. It should be around his hips, and it's around his stomach. So, again, showing, I guess, his, like, in experience with 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 the, this world, but I just I found that that image. I noticed that w- with Lenina sitting like that, like hmm, because we I mean, we know she has been changed, and we 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 also know that her tendencies before was towards monogamy. When she's talking dirty with with Bernard, it was about being monogamous. So, you know, is this some kind of symbol of of, of that's where she's heading?
0: right and and how much will the society tolerate these behavioral changes if in fact they occur so all
1: right anything else okay oh oh, we'll Um, just i I like how lenina laughed at the thanks buddy commercial
0: oh yes in the midst of
1: hilarious so yes yes. right that's how funny it's right (laughs)
0: yeah good point so um so are we going a minus on this one again
1: I, don't know, I might give this one a. a sol- uh, you know what? I'm not want to overgrade. We're only in the third episode, so we can stick with minus. A-. Okay. But I'm really like this. Like I, I, you know, like I don't. I, I I give A's very grudgingly, as my students uh, would also bemoan. This this series is really really good so far. So uh, I, I have no problem putting
2: putting the A's up there on this one.
0: Okay. Sounds good.
1: All right, well, let's hear what
0: Fred's got for us this week, and we'll be right back.
2: Hello, Dave and Wayne, and all listeners to Sci-Fi TV Rewatch. This is Fred from the Netherlands with some feedback for Brave New World Season 1, Episode 3. In the previous podcast, I heard you talking about The Twelve, Dave, a Netherlands series about a jury in a murder trial. I thought... Jury in a murder trial. Is this playing then in the US or UK? Because the Netherlands has no jury system. But I looked it up and it's a Belgium theory And in Belgium they do have a jury. So it's a Belgium theory but the language that is spoken that's correct, that's Dutch. Or actually, Belgium Dutch, which is Flemish. Last week I also talked about the fourth season of Winona Herb. The Erp fandom was very much looking forward to it. They had a big fight to get this season. In the blog post, you had written in listener feedback, Fred from the Netherlands celebrates the return of Winona Erp. Um, I'm quite disappointed. And actually, after giving feedback for three episodes, I discontinued my audio feedback for another podcast because I noticed that my feedback was quite negative three times in a row and I didn't want to spoil their podcast. Quite sad for a person who attended two Winona Herb fan conventions in 2018 and 19 and even in 2019 I especially went to the US with a lot of costs of course for the conference and hotel costs and flight etc but I had fun so I'm not regretting that and of course I visited the both of you. The show is just too silly for me at the moment for my dark primed brain but I will continue watching and perhaps it will change a little bit. And you were talking about the Marvel Cinematic Universe in comparison to the Netflix, Marvel series, etc. I still follow the recommended timeline because there are a limited amount of crossovers between the Marvel movies and the Marvel series. So that is what you said and you're of course right. But there are also of course cross-references between the series. For instance, Luke Cage and Jessica Jones and Daredevil and The Punisher, etc. Okay, about this episode of Brave New World. As I said in the last two podcasts, I liked a lot that there was a lot more world building about the world outside the Brave New World. So John Savage's and Linda's world in the two TV movies, that is much less. And they continued that in this episode. But now being in the Brave New World, I think that will be over. And I really wonder if we will see something about the world outside New London for a while. Of course, it will get very interesting now because John is now in New Am. <laughs> I wanted to say New Amsterdam, uh, but that's New York. Uh, in New London. So that will change the dynamics of the series again. So first we had a very smooth running new London. Not too much excitement. Uh, This episode was very nice and quite different with uh, all the tension and all the fights etc. Quite different and now we will switch to another setting again which will most probably be not the same as in the first episode, just because John is there. What surprised me here is that Linda died at the end of this episode, because in the two TV movies she lived on for quite a while in New London and got all kinds of substance problems there. She died there of a Soma overdose. Or they did a kind of euthanasia because becoming old is not allowed in New London. It's a pity we lose Demi Moore so early in this series. And it's even a pity to lose Linda this early in the series. Because the interaction with a person that was brought up in the Brave New World slash New London. And that comes back after several years of being a savage or being in savage land could be a very interesting storyline. In the two movies, Linda points the director out to John as being his father. Now Linda is dead already. I really wonder how this will come up that the director is actually his father. Okay, that was all for this time. Enjoying this series, looking forward to the next episode. Greetings, all the best, Fred from the Netherlands. Um, you know, it's a little disconcerting to hear
0: Fred walk away from a show for which he was giving weekly feedback. Because, look, we understand how much enjoyment Fred derives from providing feedback from shows. And whether it's our podcast, we know he does it with the Star Trek podcast. But that said, the the whole idea that Winona Earp has gotten too silly, I can relate to. And
1: yeah, I thought that know, after the pilot.
0: And well, <laughs> you know, and, and and I get that. And and there are obviously people that that like that kind of a show, but it, it just went in a direction that I just. You know, no. I, there's too many other things I'd rather watch. So, uh
1: right. Well, Fred, these things are so subjective, right? And that, you know, this is not to to poo-poo Winona Earp, right? Uh, if you're a fan of that show, it's great. You know, because and just like we, we like this show, and there's probably a lot of people who don't like. So, it, you know, and, and there there are, and it's funny how that does happen. Uh, with me, it was like with, especially with the hundred. Um, actually I should say that let's look at the Walking Dead you know a show that I watched for a long time and finally I, I just had it I was just like you know what like like you said I, there, there, I have better things to do than this and and then again that's not to say that the Walking Dead's still not a great show and that I might go back to it but it just at, at some point I just kind of just I just didn't like it anymore you know and that happens um you know
0: he points out the fact that the show has actually executed world building in two separate places. Obviously the, uh, the new world and and the Savage lands and Fred questions whether or not that's it for the Savage lands. So that's a good point. On on the one hand, it is a pretty damn compelling story Mm -hmm. that we're leaving behind with Sheila and her revolutionaries. So I, I, I don't know. I'll just leave it at that. I I On the one hand, I kind of hope we go back there, but I kind of doubt we will.
1: Right. And honestly, I thought that I was kind of surprised. I, I didn't say this last week. I meant to. I was surprised at how quickly they got out of the Savage Lands. I thought they were going to milk that place for a couple more episodes uh, because it is, like you said, it is really a compelling story you have to imagine that they are going back there because Sheila is a kid, but they they killed like Madison and they killed pretty much everyone that we knew except for Sheila in the Savage Land. So, you know, I could also see them not going there and just like, you know, the book, uh, really Huxley, you know, kind of hurries along that early narrative so he can get John to London, which is really where... What you know he was looking the everything he was looking to do was really in putting that you know that fish out of water or whatever situation making that happen
0: right and I guess on the one hand you you might think that the powers that be in New London are saying we can we can't allow this to go unpunished, but it's not like they have this armed force ready to send you know their version of the navy seals and and you know army commandos in so it probably will go unpunished so you know we'll see and as fred says yeah it is a pity to lose demi Moore this early in the series but i guess we just have to accept the fact that she burned brightly and you know her her character is going to be key to what these other characters do later because the impact in such a short time that she has on Lanina, as we've said, is not going to be lost. Will John learn the identity of his father? I'd be shocked if he doesn't.
1: Sure. And if and, you read the book, you already know it. So, but yeah. no spoilers here, <laughs> right? So, but yeah, I, uh, de- definitely, um, it, it sucks. I, I, you know, if you read the book, you know, Linda. Once they get to London, Linda's pretty much out of the story. She does eventually die. John's violent reaction to her death is a big plot point in the book. It just comes later, right? And they're just going straight there with it right off the bat rather than having it being something that changes John. It's, you know, so... um, And and I like that. You know, like, Linda in the the novel, she was, you know, like I said, was definitely a very flat character, um, was almost meant for just a plot purpose and for comic effect and Demi Moore's Linda was a much stronger character, a uh, much more rounded character, a much more human character in the end than the one and so I really applaud the writers of the show and, and what they've done with that character. It really shows how you can change a, a work of literature and that it's actually, you know, works out for the better, you know. Yeah, and and certainly
0: the heroism that her character shows Because I think you maybe even alluded to this the first week that, you know, in the novel, uh, you know, the whole idea of an aging process is is sort of foreign to the new Londoners. And Linda has not aged well. And it's extremely noticeable. And yes, Demi Moore looks older than she did in the breakfast club, or not the breakfast club. No, she was. I can't remember no. if she was in that, but St. So Elmo's Fire so or Santa whatever. Fire. Oh, yeah, we get that. But in the novel, it, it's just made excruciatingly clear that this is a woman that looks far older than her chronological age. So, right. and, and you know, fine. Again, I think, as you said, they, they made some changes that that don't fundamentally – you know, uh, change what Huxley's trying to do. And you could even argue that it's an improvement and Mm -hmm. I guess we'll just leave it at that. So uh, anything else about Fred's feedback?
1: Nope. Thanks buddy.
0: All right. Well, I guess that's a good place to leave it. Um, I'm digging this show a lot, as you said. Uh, uh, I mean, I was really hoping as I know you were that it was going to be good and, After those god-awful movies, uh, of course, we were fingers crossed. But here we are, and we'll be back again next week. But that is going to do it for this episode of Sci-Fi TV Rewatch. Thanks for joining us. Love to hear what you think about Brave New World. If you got any final thoughts about Dark, I know some people are still posting in the Facebook group about that. Uh, Join the Facebook group if you haven't. Emails to Sci-Fi TV Rewatch at gmail.com. We'll be back next week to discuss episode four of the NBC Peacock dystopian classic Brave New World titled Swallow. But until then.
1: You know, Dave, I don't, I don't know if you remember a lot, but when, you know, there was a couple of, like some big media companies that were talking to us about, you know, maybe going a little bit more commercial with the podcast and everything. Even I don't know if you remember that weekend in Vegas they took us out to. But, you know, at the end of it, I was just like, you know, Dave. I'm sure as hell not getting stuck because some psycho girl gave you a hand job once.